Hello all and welcome into the new and improved Broadway Bulletin. Now you are probably asking yourself, what's so new and improved about our oldest bonus content? That's a fair question and one we're going to talk about for the first part of our show. Starting today, we are combining the Broadway Bulletin, Whisper in the Wings, and Curtain Call Conversations. You will find all the latest episodes of this content listed as the Broadway Bulletin. This will be just a lot simpler. All of this content will still be coming your way just as you have come to expect it, so don't worry about that. Now other changes that we've made in doing this. The Broadway Bulletin will now focus more on stories and headlines surrounding the theater scene. We want to give you a chance to quickly get caught up on what's happening on and off Broadway. Now, we will still mention the shows we have been attending, but we will no longer be offering our reviews of the shows. That is a feature that only our patrons will receive. And anyone can be a patron simply by going to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. We hope that this new format will allow us to bring you better and more coverage of the world we all love. And we hope that this new format will allow us to bring you more of our incredible content more effectively. So we hope you like the changes. And please do let us know what you think by sending us an email at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. We always welcome feedback as well as your personal stories. So with that, let's draw back the curtain on the new Broadway Bulletin. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome into the new Broadway Bulletin. We have lots to get to on our episode today, so why don't we get into the latest news? Lindy Janeo is set to star in Android Webber's Bad Cinderella on Broadway. Performances are set to begin on February 17th, 2023 at the what theater? I'm sorry, who called this one? The Imperial Theater. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I will be taking questions and signing autographs later. I called this one. I called this one. From you did. My, as we've been sitting around, I mean, any of our friends we've been hanging out with, as we've been like, what will come to which theater? As we've been like mapping out the season. I've just been like, I hear that Cinderella, Angela Weber Cinderella is coming to Broadway. And I was like, it's going to the Imperial. Broadway or the Imperial. But I'm pretty sure it's going to the Imperial. Oh my Boom. goodness. From downtown. Cost of Living opened at the Friedman Theater on October 3rd. And the Cost of Living is a Pulitzer winning play. Pulitzer Prize winning play. Pulitzer Prize winning play. Yes. That we saw how many seasons ago? Many moons ago at when it was at the New York City Center. They're off Broadway, which yeah. is when it won the Pulitzer. So now it's on Broadway at the Friedman Theater. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm so excited to see this. I'm so excited. It is such a good show. I can't I believe wait. I see it this week, if I remember right, too. I have to look at the calendar, but... You know, listeners, stay tuned. Keep an eye on our social media. I can't wait for this show. It's it's so good. It's so good. Leopoldstadt opened on October 2nd at the Longacre Theater. Uh, this is just another great show from playwright Tom Stoppard. Yes, it's the latest, newest Tom Stoppard play. Huge, huge success over, over in England and the West End. Um, so any insight that our listeners over in England have, we'd love to hear more about it before we see it. 
Leah Michelle performed on The Tonight Show where she sang People from Funny Girl. Who needed people. Right. Yeah. They're the luckiest people I hear. That's what I've been told. <laughs> um, also, Into the Woods is slated to perform on the show later this week. I love how many musicals, how many Broadway shows are are making the late night uh, TV rounds, you know, and, yeah. and whatnot. Because it's just exciting. It's like, yeah, we're here. Come, Come so back and see shows. us sometime. Now, this is a sadder note. Oh, I'm just so... Mm. Come From Away played its final show on Sunday, October 2nd. And I'm really bummed to see the show go. It is one of my favorites. It is in my top three of all time. It's such a good show. I've seen the show, I think, almost 12, 13, 14 times at least. And it's it's good every single time. So, I, yeah. Mm. Uh, it is, uh, at its closing on the second, it now is the longest running show at the Schoenfeld. Um, the play, the hit play, the Tony Award winning revival, Take Me Out, will now move into that theater opening later this month. At, well, at the end of the month, I think the 27th. Almost Famous begins performances on October 3rd. At the Jacobs. At the Jacobs. Brandon Contreras. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, so excited for him and so excited to see the show. Tom Kitt. Yes. Um, speaking of shows opening and getting excited, 1776 opens on October 6th at the American Airlines Theater. They also performed last week on GMA. Um, they did Sit Down John, which I believe is the opening number. Yeah. It is worth YouTubing. Yes. Um, this is a new production, a new take on an old classic. It's directed by Diane Paulus, who we just talked about in the revival of Pippin. Mm -hmm. uh, we love her work. I can't wait to see it. And just seeing the opening number, I was like, oh yeah, this yeah. is going to be so good. So I can't wait to see it later this month. So we're going to shift gears a little bit and we're going to talk about some theater news industry. in yeah, th some community some theater, theater community, community news. Um so as many of you may have been as shocked as I was to see that the One Schubert Alley Broadway Merchandise Shop um, was, had announced its closing. Yeah, now to be fair, so this is like an extension of the Phantom of, the, of Broadway Theater Souvenir Shop, which is mm -hmm. right across from the Majestic. Right, and it's just this tiny little shop that sits in the middle of Schubert Alley. Yeah. And it was always so great to go in and buy stuff. So they Things you it. couldn't find at the, the Phantom of Broadway, you could find at the little shop in Schubert Alley. Right, so it was very disappointing to hear that it was closing. But um, we did hear information that it will be reopening um, under new management. Yes, one of the major um, theater merchandise I guess brands who do brand work for like Wicked and Come From Away, um, among others, they're gonna just renovate the store and that's gonna be where they're gonna put stuff. So it will still be a theater merchandise uh, store, which is great to hear. Cause yes, because I couldn't imagine anything not Broadway related being in that space. I, exactly. Knowing our luck, they'd put a Chipotle there. You know? <laughs> um, also happen what uh, happenings I guess uh, Prudential's Curtain Up concert series took place in Times Square over the weekend, celebrating you know one year of, of the curtain being up here on Broadway. Can you oh God, like I'm so glad theater's back, but I'm so sad that we have to celebrate that. Um, it was cool. It featured performances from all of Broadway's musicals as well as appearances from Broadway's plays, both current and upcoming. 
um, as well as uh, performances from some of your favorite uh, Broadway performers, uh, which was exciting. So that took place uh, Friday through Sunday, uh, right there in the heart of Times Square, Duffy Square. Uh, it was fun, and, and thanks to Prudential for you know just supporting the Broadway community and helping us get back open and on our feet. Also, um, exciting news, The Music Man and Into the Woods both released cast albums last week. So, I don't know about y'all, but we are obsessive about keeping our Broadway cast recording, uh, our Broadway cast recordings, like, up to date and having yes. the biggest collection possible, so... Well, um, I just love, and I'm not biased, first of all... The End of the Woods is really fantastic. That cast is fantastic. It's really well done. But the music, man, and I'm not trying to be biased, it is just so much fun. And you can hear how much fun everyone had. And the fact that they recorded it at the theater makes it that much more fun. Did you see the clips of them recording? They did it in the theater. They did it in a theater. They didn't do it at the Oh, they did it at the... Well, regardless. They did it at a theater and everyone's just having fun. And I was like, you can hear that in the album. Like, it isn't... I think a lot of cats already have fun. You know, it's just... They're excited. They're, yeah, have, they're, it, it, they're, they're just... Sutton and Hugh are playing with everyone like they normally do. And I'm like, this is great. I love this. This is why we go to this show. Right. And I'm just very excited about the Into the Woods because I love... Um, I just, I love the cast's vocals. Brian Darcy And Bowles. Sarah Bareilles, like, really, as the baker's wife, she has been one of my favorites. I love Sarah Bareilles on the stage. I'm so glad she's she's done this. I'm, I'm digging on this. Um, also, I love Patina Miller as the witch. Yes. I want more Patina Miller on Broadway. It's all I'm saying. So, moving on to just some general, like, theater chat, show chat kind of thing. We've got a great and full lineup of theater this week, so stay tuned to our social media for that. Uh, and we will have full reviews for our patrons beginning this week. So patrons, keep an eye out on your email for those links to YouTube um, for each show. Um, but I do want to mention just a couple of shows that we saw last week that were you know worth noting. Um, one of them of, uh, is a new show called Jasper. At Pershing Square at Signature Theater. Um, it's not associated with Signature Theater season. It's an independent company that comes in and uses one of their theaters. Um, but anyway, uh, very powerful work starring three, I'll say, well-known actors from the, sm the small screen. One mm -hmm. from Blue Bloods, one from um, Orange is a New Black, and then one from, I can't remember, Chicago something maybe? I don't know. Doesn't matter. I don't watch the shows, so I feel bad. But I was, they were really, it was a good performance. But the storyline, which centered around um, basically these two parents who have a, a terminally ill child. Okay. And then just kind of from there, you know, um, also dealing with the idea of emotional, an emotional affair. Okay. So, but not having a kid, I just felt strangely connected to the show and, and weirdly like empathizing. That's where I'm coming from. And uh, the only other show worth mentioning from last week was um, Comfortable Way. My last time going to Comfortable Way. But uh, I got to take two of our co-hosts from Curtain Call Conversation, Eleanor and Taisha, for their first time. Oh, gosh. I know. And they loved it. And it was just as good as ever for me. And the energy in the theater was amazing. So uh, I do want to um, do, do a quick shout out 
to um, we saw Stranger Things. So if you are uh, in the city during the month of October, definitely check it out. It's a fun show. Especially to get. if you're a Stranger Things fan, I would yes. I definitely say anybody can go and like sit and like kind of enjoy it. But if you are a Stranger Things fan, and you only really need to see the first season to really get the show, yeah. But it's on another level, and you will. It's you'll it's, have a good time. It's, it's, a, it's a good it's a way. good night out. Yeah. And now, we will bring you a very fabulous episode of Whisper in the Wings. In this new episode, we sit down with playwright Kate Wiley and discuss her amazing show, Two Truths and a Lie. So please, enjoy. Welcome in, listeners, to an exciting episode of Whisper in the Wings. Uh, I am thrilled to be having our guest on today. Um, it was a joy to, to meet her. It was an absolute joy to see her show a few weeks ago at Theater for a New City. Joining us today is the playwright of the show, Two Truths, Two Truths and a Lie, Kate Wiley. Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, Andrew. Thanks for having me. This is quite exciting. Thank you so much. I mentioned you were the playwright of the show Two Truths and a Lie, um, mm-hmm. which I saw at Theater for a New City. Um, and it was just so, so fantastic. I was just engrossed in that show. Um, I, 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 can't, I mean, I, I, I just want to drool all over it. It was, <laughs> it was, it was so engaging and relatable and I could go on and on and on, but why don't, why don't I have you tell our listeners a little bit about your show? Okay. And you in fact saw an understudy playing one of the characters, I believe, right? Yes. Um, the yes. young man with the script and he, he did such a great job. We had a, we had an actor out with COVID. Um, th- this is a good time to be an understudy in New York. Yeah. Lots and lots <laughs> of understudies are getting work. So yeah, I guess I could talk a little bit about, um, the process of this play. Um, It's about uh, teaching. It's about writing. It's about finding yourself. Um, And those are all things with which I have a fair amount of experience. Um, I had uh, a long career as an English professor and I did teach creative writing a little bit. I taught, um, I didn't teach memoir. I, I, we call it creative nonfiction. I guess I taught a little bit of that, but some of the prompts that are in the play, like sort of how to get started, I've used those in in classes. Um, To be honest, one reason that I wrote this play is that structurally it was so um, easy because it was every class was a scene. And um, the the previous play that I had written that was a full length um, just made me insane in terms of, where should the scene go? And should I be playing with time? And should I move back? And this play was, boy, it was a straight shot. One, you know, week, 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 class, class, class. And the only time lapse was at the very end before the the little epilogue. Um, So to be honest, just to give myself something structurally straightforward, that was one reason I wrote it. Um, I think I also just, I just wanted to write about, 
teaching because uh, it's something we all have experience with either, you know, on the receiving end or, you know, somehow on the, on, on the giving end. Um, and I think um, for, I've never taught um, at the elementary level. I've always taught at the college level. And as in the play, I've always had students of varying ages and experience. And that's, um, that's just terrific in a classroom. You, you just bring lots of different, um, lots of different life stories into the room. And that's, that's fun. So you mentioned that you, you taught um, English in college. You were an English mm -hmm. professor. Um, is that where you came up with the idea for the show from, from being a teacher or? I think, I think I suspected you were going to ask this and I found myself wondering where did I come up with the show? to be honest, <laughs> I, it, I mean, I have other plays that like, I, I have one entire play that's based on a photograph. Um, this play is, um, is just such an amalgam of my life experience and um, sort of, you know, stuff that's, that's floating around in terms of, um, you know, women's rights and, um, you know, t teenagers um, hurting themselves and, you know, just, just various stuff that's, that's sort of happening in, in the culture that I don't necessarily have experience with. Um, but, I, you know, I guess I would have to say it came out of um, years and years of, of being in the classroom. And I, I was so fortunate in this production to have such a terrific cast. Um, and, you know, that's what so somebody asked me, what, what was the most exciting thing about seeing my work uh, performed on stage? And I really feel like it's, it's almost as exciting during the first read through when the, when the actors have the script and are doing it and, and you're, you're hearing the words that have been in your head for years in somebody else's um, body and, and, and spirit. And, the, and it immediately changes, which is so wonderful. Like, oh, I thought she was like, well, maybe she, and, and, and just sort of realizing that the characters aren't finished until they, they're in the actors. Oh, I love that. And going along with that thought, what was it like, you know, developing the show and putting it on its feet and whatnot? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And, and, and like every full length play, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a years long, process. Um, I read some playwrights said once, and I read this years ago, that, you know, one thing that you have to remember is everything takes longer than you think it should. And that is so true. Everything <laughs> takes longer than you want it to. Um, but let's see, I worked on it 2017 or 2018. I do remember very clearly, um, I used to work with a couple of women who lived in different parts of the country on, on writing plays. And one of them had a little um, cottage on the St. Lawrence River in the Thousand Islands area. Mm -hmm. And she invited me to, to come and sort of do a writing retreat. And I remember finishing the first draft of the play at her house on the St. Lawrence. Um, and that was great because I had gotten so little writing done. I just was like swimming and boating and like having fun. And I finally, when I finally sat down to write, I actually sort of got a sense of the ending. So that was, that was cool. Um, and then I did another sort of workshoppy thing with some people in um, Boulder, Colorado. I was living in Denver, the Boulder Ensemble Theater Company. And they did a really terrific public table read, not quite a staged reading, but a, a, a rehearsed reading in which the you know, people were invited. 
And again, I had some terrific actors and wonderful audience feedback. And based on that, I was able to change, change it a bit. Um, and then it was accepted for production in Minneapolis, which was so exciting. And then it was COVID canceled. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. And I wasn't that devastated, I think, because when I heard, when I got the news that it was canceled, I had just moved to New York. And like you, I moved from the West. I moved from Denver. And I did that cross-country drive with a, <laughs> with a, with a van full of stuff, not a U-Haul, but um but it, it had been accepted at this small women's theater in Minneapolis. And I was excited because it was only going to be my second um, production of a, of a full-length play. But I was in New York when I got the news. So I wasn't, I mean, I was upset, but I wasn't sort of like heartbroken. And then what was even sadder though, is the little theater company folded because oh. of COVID. And that was, that felt even sadder. Um, but up theater company here in, um, in Manhattan, in my neighborhood um, of Inwood, so it's upper Manhattan, they picked it up for a stage reading, um, which was great. And that got a really good staged reading just a few months before we did the full production. And I had um, two of the same actors in the staged reading were in the production. So that's a, you know, that's a fairly typical sort of um, road for a, for a play, um, except for the COVID cancellation. That's probably, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, and, and, and now I'm actually working on a play in which um, the main character has, she's an artist and she has a show COVID canceled. And oh she's, um, she's raging about it, right? Cause she's so angry and it, which is totally understandable. Um, and I did, you know, I didn't feel that way cause I had made such a huge life change anyway that it just was like one more thing. Yeah, I thought, I thought the production went really well and, and you, you had a wonderful audience, people were, um, people were extremely receptive <laughs> the show that you went to. Um, so now, of course, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping somebody will pick it up for a, for a longer um, production. Oh, absolutely. But as an actor, you must um, understand, I mean, actors respond to the audience. And, oh, yeah. you know, that the more the audience, it, it, it just sort of keeps feeding on each other. And, and, and you know, and what you say about the talkback thing, it's, it's kind of cultural. I think that, you know, majority white audiences T tend to be a lot sort of quieter and more polite. And yeah. if there are more black people in the audience, and of course having several black actors, we had, um, you know, black and white audiences. And th there was one audience, it wasn't your audience, but there was one audience that had, you know, more black people. And they were, um, it, you know, the sort of call and response thing, much more, and it's just like, yeah, talk back. And I've, I've evolved as an audience member, I think like you have, and I've gotten more willing to voice my like, oh, or yeah, or really? I think I've said that like in the audience. <laughs> yeah. So what was the message or thought that you're hoping audiences, audiences will take away from all of this? That... Oh, Andrew, you must know that is the worst <laughs> question. It's like when, when Edward Albee at some point in his career was asked, what's your show about? And his answer was about 95 minutes. <laughs> and it's like, that is the answer.
to that question. Uh, <laughs> um, right? I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, it's about 95 minutes long. I love um, that. I hate to beat audiences over the head. And, and this play is in some ways my least sort of overtly political play in terms of sort of a message thing. Because I, I, I think some, and again, I'm quoting somebody, I can't remember who it was. Um, you don't want to have a, a play about problems and their people, like a social problem play. You want to have a play about people and their problems because we're all people with problems. And, and you know, that can sometimes be a, a, a delicate balance. So, yeah, I mean, certainly I wanted people to think about, as you said, um, you know, making assumptions about who somebody is based on their superficial sort of um, characteristics. But but also, I you know, people to think about, you know, how well do I know myself? Like, how many secrets am I keeping from myself? Because, you know, I think that that's something that we all do. And, you know, sometimes we have to do that to sort of survive. And at a certain point, um, it can be really great to, to get your secrets out. And other times, um, maybe you need to keep it a secret. Who do you, The final question for this part of the interview I want mm-hmm. to ask is, who do you hope have access to the show? Wow, that is such an important question. And, you know, it, it makes me think about the time of COVID when theaters were closed and people were scrambling to do stuff on Zoom. And I had a short play produced on Zoom. And actually the actor who played Di, Nikki Walker, was in that short play. And that was way back in December of 2020. So all of this stuff was really new and the unions were scrambling and figuring out, you know, what what kind of contracts, et cetera, et cetera. And and it was a small theater company, um, New Circle Rep. And they um, just sort of did um, an evening of, of short plays on Zoom. And then, you know, there were some really terrific plays. And, and then they, they got pulled because they hadn't, you know, there was some contractual thing that, that hadn't quite worked out and everybody got very frustrated. But the advantage of the Zoom is that everybody has access, right? All you need is a, a phone or a, a TV or, a, you know, a laptop. I mean, you know, even if you couldn't get yourself to the theater, even if you couldn't afford a ticket. I mean, I think they did sell tickets. I think they, you know, they sold tickets for 15 or 20 bucks. But but that issue of accessibility was very interesting because I, a, a lot of theater artists, I think myself included, you know, feel like, you know, Zoom was this phase and, and we are so over it. We're so done with it. Um, and yet, and I also had people tell me, you know what I liked about that show was that I could see the actors' faces, right? Because the face is filling the screen. And if you're sitting in the gods on Broadway, unless you have binoculars, you don't have that kind of access to the actor's face. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a great question. Um, I, I work with some people, I work at a, a church up in the Northwest Bronx and um, some of the other staff are, are people from the neighborhood and they would no more go to the theater than they would do something insane like that. That's the farthest thing from their from their lived experience or their sort of sense of that would be a great thing to do because they don't, you know, they don't know what it is. It's not, it's something that, oh, that's for rich people. That's for white people. That's for somebody else. Yeah. And, and living in Inwood though, there's a, a very exciting project happening here. Um, the People's Theater Project is a theater based on immigrant stories because Inwood is a heavily immigrant neighborhood. Um, 
and they're they've got a bunch of money from the city. They're building a theater, and they have you know they they've got classes for kids. and And I told them I would love to you know maybe teach some playwriting to teenagers or something. That'd be that amazing. Would be, that would be exciting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah, building the next generation of yeah, theater no, artists. There's, there's stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I think it's just incredibly important to, you know, I'm sure you read that that um, manifesto from Black theater artists. Well, theater artists of color. Um, we see you, white American theater. You've, have you heard of that? If you I, haven't, I, look I it up. I think I've heard of it. It's I'm worth reading. It's, it's, it, and they wrote it. Um, you know, sort of when the theaters were closed and all. Well, it was, of course, yeah. it was after the, the, the murder of um, George Floyd. Of Floyd and and all, everybody, you know, all of the institutions were falling over themselves to, to do, you know, DEI and, and, and to write these statements about, you know, we're not racist. And yet, of course, you know, the, the, the problem is because the institutions have been set up a certain way, they, they, they you know, they, they do have gates that are that are hard to to, to get by. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that issue of accessibility is incredibly important. I want to switch gears now a little bit. I want to um, want to talk to you a little bit more about your experience in the theater. And I want to start off by asking you what shows in the past have inspired you. Ah. Um, and I'll open it up as well to composers or playwrights as well. Well, um, a play that um, was profoundly influential to me um, as a human being, I get, you know, I guess as an artist, I had a very um, long um, detour professionally. I, I, I was, a, you know, I was a theater kid in high school and college, but I, I detoured into academia and I did a PhD in English literature. I didn't do a graduate degree in creative writing or theater. And I, when I was in graduate school in, in Madison, Wisconsin, I remember driving with a friend to Minneapolis and I, she was a potter. I think she had a show or something, but I sort of hitched a ride with her. And I wanted to, because I wanted to go to this play. And the play was Fefo and Her Friends by Marina Irina Fornes. And it was being produced um, at a theater called At the Foot of the Mountain, which was a, 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 an early women's, you know, very feminist theater that was probably founded in Minneapolis in the 70s. And this was um, Fornes's probably one of her best known plays. It's her I don't know if you know Fornes, she's a Cuban American writer. She died recently. Um, she was just an extraordinary writer and she did these plays that were just so wonderfully kind of off kilter and um, profoundly political, but, but never preachy and just incredibly sort of thoughtful and weird. And Fafo and her friends, is a, it's just a play about this group of women who get together um, and, and, and they're sort of talking about their lives and there's a there's a gun, and of course the gun gets used, and 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 it's um, at the end of the play somebody gets shot, and it's it's unexpected. Of course I had read the play. I think I had even like studied the play in a class or something. But the end of the play is so just moving. I remember just weeping in the theater, 
And that's, you know, not something that I had normally done. And my friend with me was very concerned. She was like, are you all right? Um, and it was just, it, 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 there was just something about that moment of, and even though I was expecting the gunshot um, and it, it happens off stage and it's, it's, it's a weird sort of heightened reality. Like you don't even really know if she's been killed or how, and it's just this weird, but it's, it's, to me, it was a, it was a profoundly sort of, uh, it was a, it was a profound comment on um, the culture's violence against women. Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 and that was how I took it. And I think that's why first it just really got to me and I didn't like go home and, you know, toss out my PhD dissertation and start writing a play. <laughs> I wish I had, but I, didn't. um, but no, that's okay. That's, you know, it's, it's all, I guess it was all meant to be, but that play did have a huge effect on me. And I'm going to see a Marina Irina Fornes play at Mabu Mines uh, tomorrow, actually. So that's exciting. Well, going along with that, then, um, have you seen any great theater lately? I'm very excited about what's coming up. I just got tickets to see Susan Laurie Park's Top Dog Underdog. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I've taught that several times, and I've never seen it, so I'm very excited about that. There was a really interesting, I'm going to call it a show, because I think play is not quite the word, at this performance space called The Cell in Chelsea. And this was a... Um, it was, it was dance and it was some music and it was some sort of recitation and it was a story about a brave woman in a, in a Nazi camp. And it was just this amazing sort of confabulation of, of all these different genres um, in a very small intimate space. And that was, so that was, that was pretty exciting. I don't go to a lot of musicals because whenever I do, <laughs> I, I remind myself that I, I don't love the genre anymore. I used to love it. And I've, I've seen Hades Town and I've seen Come From Away and I enjoyed them both. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, they, they just didn't excite me the way, um, I guess, smaller plays. Um, when I first got here, I saw Stew by a young playwright whose name is escaping me. And that was again in a fairly small space on Water Street. What's the name of that theater? And that was a, a family story that used this sort of recipe for stew as a, as a metaphor. Um, and that was, that was really, really interesting. Oh, and as you like it in, um, in the, in the park in Shakespeare in the park, I had a friend who was, who was in it and, and that, you know, common denominator, it was definitely meant to appeal to absolutely everybody, but it was just so delightful. And it was just like so happy and the music was fun and, and, you know, the, cast of thousands right i don't did you get a chance to see it i did not unfortunately oh, no it was just you know you just couldn't help but sort of just smile all the way through it was so it was just lovely so and that you know that was a that was this real sense of they because it's the public and the public works program they cast from different neighborhoods and you know they they discover people there was a, a young woman with a with a terrific solo who was a security guard and she just knocked it out of the park, right? Oh my gosh, um, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and the audience is very reflective of all five boroughs. So, um, so that's a lot of fun, yeah. So let me ask you, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? The director I've worked with a lot, Madeline Chapman, who's just a wonderful, wonderful artist. Um, she will tell you that I don't really like rehearsals very much. <laughs> 
<laughs> she's, and now she's kind enough to say, Kate, you really don't have to come to rehearsal. And, and, and it's, you know, I feel terrible because I feel like I should like the process, but I, I get bored with my own work because I feel like, okay, I know what she's going to say. So this is not interesting. And it, it, you know, sometimes it's interesting because I do love watching actors work and, and watching what they can do with a character that they are bringing to the character that was not necessarily in the script. And, and, you know, and I've been so lucky to work with such terrific actors of all the, and I've pretty, you know, I've done several plays this summer and of all the actors I've worked with, I have not worked with a bad actor in the city. And I, I'm sure there are some out there, <laughs> but um, you know, that's another great thing about being in New York. It's like, you know, you just sort of turn around and there's somebody who's a, a very talented something, actor, stage manager, director, designer, whatever. So, so, but the, the writing process, I mean, it's, you know, when, when it, when it works, it's, it's amazing. Um, and, and like some of the stuff you were talking about in Two Truths and a Lie, like some of the reveals just came out of writing. I'm writing along and it's like all of a sudden, oh, she was lying or, oh, her brother had AIDS. Like, and that's not something, you know, that just comes from the writing, but that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Obviously it's a slog and you have to, you know, I have to force myself to do it. Like I think everybody does. Sometimes the good stuff just sort of percolates up, which is, which is what you hope will happen. Um, so that's fun. And I wish it happened like at least once a week, but it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> that time, it just takes yeah, time. Which, it oh, yeah. If only it didn't take so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to ask my favorite question. I love asking guests, which is what is your favorite theater memory? I mean, I was in plays a lot as a kid, as a, and a teenager. Um, and, you know, I, I have a couple good memories of, of being in shows and feeling like, oh, that was a good scene. Actually, no, I will say and this is something totally unrelated to writing or art. Um, but when, when I first got to New York, I joined the WOW Cafe Theater Collective, which is a, which is a women's and a, and a trans and a women's plus theater collective. It's been around for a long, long time, like 40 years. And we were able to do some stuff outside during the pandemic. And in the summer of 21, the city commissioned a stage to be designed by Rashid um, Johnson, who's this, who's, a, who's an artist, a fine artist who works in many different media. But he designed this fantastic stage that was bright red. It was a bright red stage and it was built on Astor Place in the East Village. It had three sides and it had all these plants in the front and he had some hanging plants from the, from the ceiling. And it was up, I think for about a month and various performance groups were invited to um, like sort of have a slot, like, you know, we'll give you this day and you can perform. And then other times it had sort of an open mic. So there was music, there was dance, there was poetry, there was all kinds of stuff. But Wow Cafe Theater got a little slot and I, one of my, you know, I performed one of my short plays or I produced one of my short plays. I didn't perform. And two great things about that experience. One was just, I was helping somebody hang something, you know, from the top of the stage. And I was up on a ladder and I, you know, I looked around, asked her place. And, and I just had that sense of, wow, I am making theater in New York City in the middle of this pandemic. And, and, and it's, 
it's hopeful, right? Because, you know, that was still, I mean, the summer of 21, things were still pretty grim. Yeah. And, and this stage that was so beautiful, it was red and it had plants. And, and the other great thing that happened with that was um, I, there was music in the play and we were not allowed to have any um, amplified sound on the stage. So um, rather than having music played, we hired a, a live musician and she was a fiddler. And the director turned this young woman musician into a character in the play that was not in the script, but it, it was, a, it just, and it just enriched the whole, the whole thing just like went up a level by having this musician on stage. It was, and that was just like one of those things like, okay, that's what happens when you have good artists working together and, and, you know, sort of coming up with ideas like, oh, we have to solve this problem. Let's solve it this way. And then it turns into something wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you want, you wish that could happen once a week and it doesn't. <laughs> I love that. So are there any other productions that you have coming down the pipeline or any other projects? Um, yes. In fact, um, a short play that is terribly timely. I wrote it a year ago. And it's based on, um, well, just my, my concerns about, about women's reproductive rights. And this was, this was when Roe v. Wade was still the law of the land, but it was in jeopardy. Um, and I wrote a, a triptych. It's a, it's a three-part play that's a short play, really about women's bodies. And, and then the last um, scene is this kind of abstract poetic meditation on um, set at a clinic defense because when I was in graduate school I used to work in in clinic defense where you would go and sort of um, help women going into the into the Planned Parenthood clinic for whatever reason right maybe they were having a pap smear maybe they were having an abortion we didn't know but you know it sort of helped them get in the doors and and not you know have to deal with all the hostility that was coming from from some other protesters um and I wrote the play about a year ago and I sent it around and then somebody took it for a festival this summer. So of course, by the time it was produced, it was post, um, post row. Um, so that, that felt very timely. It's getting another production. It's called Viable. Like when is a fetus viable? Um, it's getting another production in November in um, Pelham, New York, which is a suburb in Westchester County. And that is an- another little festival, Soup to Nuts. And I'll, um, I'll send you the information, Andrew. And then in the spring, I have a residency at The Cell, that small theater place in, a theater space in Chelsea I told you about. And that's exciting because it's a play called Sheltered. And it's based on stories um, by homeless women that I volunteered with when I lived in Denver. And this play has been, I started writing this play in 2013. So it's been, and it had a bunch of readings in Denver and I had wonderful actors involved in it. And I just couldn't get it to a full production. Um, and I revised it, it's, it's, it's supposed to imitate a Greek tragedy. So it has a chorus um, and it has a messenger at the end who comes in with a long, you know, sort of tragic story. And it's, you know, it's sort of a, it's kind of in miniature the, the, the American tragedy that we're all living of homelessness, right? Like, you know, this is this tragedy of our nation that we can't house people. So yeah, that's coming up in March and I'll let you know. Yes, please do. Cause that's, that sounds fascinating. Wrapping this up, if our listeners want to get more information about you or they want to reach out to you, is, uh, do you, is there a way they can do that? Uh, yeah, I have a website. 
Okay. Um, it's www.katewileyplaywright, and that's C-A-T-E-W-I-L-E-Y, playwright.com. Wonderful. Yeah. And that's um, my, my, my regret with my website. I don't have, um, I don't have photographs of recent productions. Like I don't have any photographs of Two Truths and a Lie. I just, that's the problem with self-producing. There's always something that gets left out. Um, and that got, that part got left out, but I do have some pictures up that are pretty good. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining me today on Whisper in the Wings. It has been an honor, a treat. This has been a blast. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. It was fun. My guest today has been playwright Kate Wiley. Her most recent work, Two Truths and a Lie, recently played at uh, Theater for a New City. And it was a brilliant work. So if you get the chance to see it or even read it, uh, please be sure to do so. You can find more information or reach out to her by visiting her website, www.katewileyplaywright.com. And we'll be posting all of this information in our episode description, as well as on our social media. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones unwrap your candies and keep your masks on and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do the show without you. <laughs>